It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back in inside your Odyssey app. You know, you can rewind if you missed anything. You can also download us as a podcast later, A-U-D-A-C-Y. It's free. Download the app today and take us with you, whatever you're doing today and every single day of the week here with the BetQL Network. It is Chris Mack, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth with you on BetQL Daily. Before we wrap up, some lightning bets. Maybe I'll bet on a hockey team to put a puck in their own net again. Um <laughs> Let's go or hell no in 20 minutes and lucky enough to be joined from 24-7 Sports to talk college hoops right now, Isaac Trotter. Morning, Isaac. I saw we've got fresh tiers. We've got a, a fresh set of tiers and you've got six teams in that top tier. Tell me why you, you think all six of those you think belong in that top tier when it, we may even be getting a stratification of sorts within that top tier. Yeah, it's a good question. I think right now, college basketball is as wide open as it's been. It's older, but scoring is up throughout the country. Uh, You're seeing a lot of teams, though, I think, start to find themselves. And these six in particular, you know, when I look at Houston, Tennessee, Arizona, North Carolina, those are some of the teams that continue to stand up. Purdue, obviously, like these teams start to feel like their flaws are a little bit like they, they aren't that hamstrung by their flaws, right? Like Houston is, you know, they shoot a lot of jumpers, right? Like that's a thing they do, but they make up for it because they're great on the offensive rebounding and they're an awesome team in transition defense. They take away a lot of what you want to do on a night-to-night basis. So I feel like those six, you throw UConn in that mix as well. It feels like those teams have flaws that can't necessarily hurt them. They can maybe get exposed a little bit in the tournament, but when you're trying to win six games in six days, like you kind of have to have six different game plans at times. And I feel like those six teams, man, I'm saying the word six a lot, have a lot what it takes (laughs) to potentially make those deep, deep runs. Uh, Isaac, I want to ask you about a team that did not make your list. At least you did not just mention them as as one of those six. And I feel like I'm on an island and I'm the only person that doesn't have a ticket on Kentucky. Like I'll, I'll credit Paul Aspen. He was the first one that I heard talking about it. And then you know, some of the college basketball you, people you talked to over the last couple of weeks, did you get a Kentucky ticket? I got a 20 on Kentucky. And now it's now I see it in the media bloodstream. Oh, Kentucky. I got this number on Kentucky. What do you think about Kentucky? Should I be jealous? Should I be looking for a spot to add a ticket myself? And then, you know, side note, I see BetMGM yesterday saying, biggest liability, Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I'm torn on them because it's a really young team and they've played like it at times. 
And when you have a lot of new faces and new roles, Kentucky is trying to massage new guys in at different times. Trey Mitchell joins the team really, really late. They're at a seven foot two Croatian center who knocks down a bunch of threes. It's a great story. Yeah, now he's a first round pick in mock drafts after playing one game at Kentucky. Like we've seen all of these situations, but they haven't had time to really coalesce. I still question if they know their true rotation yet. Do you know who your seven or eight guys are yet? Like there's some, some concerns there. And defensively, I think that there are some openings there that keep me from putting them in that top tier, but that elite part of what they've shown is really special. And I think adding Zavonimir Visic to this mix is really interesting to me because you can have five shooters on the floor now without sacrificing your rebounding, without sacrificing your rim protection. That was something that Kentucky early in the season, they were kind of picking between, hey, are we an offensive heavy group? Or are we going to try to throw our defensive lineup out there? Now I wonder if they can do a little bit of both. So I'm kind of holding serve on Kentucky. I understand. I think some of those numbers that we've heard on Kentucky early, those 20s are a little bit, those are nice. Like I would love to have something like that. But I still have some concerns about this team in March when you're so young, when you still have some turnovers that you that concern me, when you have some defensive lapses, teams that have a defense right now in the mid-70s, we haven't seen them win the national championship, right? Like, So it would be a little bit of a statistical outlier if Kentucky goes all the way and wins it all. But there's also part of me is like, this is such a new group. Like, Maybe by March, this defense is different. So I'm in big wait-and-see mode with how these new guys coalesce and what their defensive numbers are in SEC play because I'm ready to toss out some of those early season defensive issues because this group is just – way different. I want to talk about a team that did make your list and they've been quite fraudulent come March. First it was North Texas, <laughs> then it was St. Peter's, then it was Fairleigh Dickinson. Talk about Purdue. What do we do with this team? Do we just pass on any Purdue futures or is this going to be the year they actually aren't fraudulent in the tournament? Yeah, I think I'm buying them. You know, I think this is a team that can really do what they need to do. Like Zach Eady, I think the narrative around him and, you know, he's slow, he's plotting, he's when he's, you know, he's this traditional big man. Like, I think he's kind of broken some of those things. His mobility, his ability to guard ball screens is way different. I think Purdue is starting to unlock what to do when you throw junk defenses at them. You can't just throw three guys at them. Remember in Fairleigh Dickinson game last year, they had horse shots. They are wide open from three. Guys just standing at the perimeter, shooting wide open shots and they couldn't convert. And this group feels a little bit different. And I, I'm starting to buy them just because I feel like they're so inevitable. Edie is just ridiculous. And Braden Smith is playing like a first-team All-Big Ten point guard right now. His pull-up jumper, the numbers with that have been fantastic all year. And they have different guys they can rotate in. Oh, and they're an awesome offensive rebounding team. It's just, it's just really hard to keep them under wraps. It feels like you need to pull a Nebraska and hit 13, 14, 15 threes to beat Purdue. Like, it, you need some outliers to really beat them right now. So they're, I feel as good about them as any team in the country right now. They have a really, really high floor. Isaac Trotter of 24-7 Sports here with us to talk college hoops on BetQL Daily. So have six teams in the top tier, and this is why I mentioned maybe a little more stratification taking place within that top tier, Isaac, because I see, at least for my money, two teams. I know it's hard to believe in Purdue come tournament time, but Purdue looks like the clear-cut top team in the country. But UConn surviving over the last month as they did, and not just surviving, you could argue thriving. They won. They continue to win, even if some of those wins weren't necessarily the prettiest. I have those two as as clear-cut one seeds if the tournament started today. But who would be your other two ones right now from that other group of four that you have in your top tier? You got the Heels. You got Houston. 
You got Tennessee and Arizona. Yeah, I think for me, it's going to be North Carolina. I think they're building a case to be a number one seed. What we saw last night, RJ Davis at his absolute best, uh, 36 points last night. The float game was really good. He can hit threes, but they're guarding, right? They're top five nas- nationally in defensive efficiency. This is the best that you UCon- or North Carolina's defense has been in the Hubert Davis era, one of their best in North Carolina basketball history. They've been really, really sitting down and guarding. Now, part of me wonders if it's a little bit uh, fluky. You know, sometimes uh, UCon- or North Carolina has given up some good looks from three. They've been a little bit lucky on those. They've given up over nine unguarded catch-and-shoot threes per game, team shooting in the low 30s. So part of me wonders if there's a little bit of correction defensively, but they have everything else. They have great rim protection. They have elite point guard. Their role players are really stepping into what they need to be. They have great positional size. They put a lot of teams in a bind. So I think they're really in- on pace for a number one seat, especially in the ACC, which there's not a lot of options on that on that slate for them to really you know lose games. I think that there's a chance for them to maybe make a run towards being you know 15, 15, 16, 17 league wins this year. Like that, that's really possible in a, an ACC that's a little bit down. And then I think Houston is really in in a good position to earn that second number one seed that we're talking about here. Just because in the Big Twelve you have quad one opportunities day in day out. And I think by the end of the year, you know, even if they get to 14 Big 12 wins, that's a ton of quad one victories. I think they're going to find a way onto that one line. Yeah, last week, Isaac, with uh, with Houston, we talked about it. Back-to-back losses, understand the concern. They're going to get back on track. That's what they did. They go beat Texas Tech by 20-plus. They took care of UCF by 15. And then we've got BYU tonight, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, what's your angle on tonight, Houston-BYU? So for me, the thing with BYU is if you look at BYU's Ken Palm page, it's like, oh, they've been great this year at keeping, taking care of the basketball, right? Top 50 and and lowest turnover rate. But if you dig in that a little bit more in Big 12 play, their turnover rate is about 20%. Uh, So that's a big, big gap for me. That's not going to play against Houston, right? If you're having any issues turning the basketball over, that BYU staff has been preaching turnovers, turnovers, turnovers all year long. Houston, I think, is going to heat them up. I know that we've talked a lot about home dogs this year, and we've seen ranked teams go on the road and lose. This feels like another Houston spot where they can really put their imprint on this BYU team, this BYU guards, these backcourt. I'm not sure if they're necessarily ready for the pressure that Houston can bring to the table, especially if Houston's able to get to work on the offensive glass and do what they need to do with that backcourt. Like I genuinely think they might have the three best guards on the floor tonight. So that's those are the type of concerns that I look like. And if Houston can turn this BYU group over, you know, BYU does not get many shots at the rim. I think they're the second lowest high major team in shots at the rim so far this year. That's not necessarily a, a great recipe. Houston makes you take a lot of rushed, uh, guarded jumpers. That's not a recipe to, to win against Houston. So I, I like the Cougs tonight to go on the road and get it done. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. One thing we love about you, Isaac, is you jump into the prop market when it comes to college hoops. So where are you looking tonight? Oh, man, I got a, I got a few for you, right? Uh, Antonio Reeves <laughs> has been a guy last week. We, we like Antonio Reeves, right? Uh, he's been a big-time scorer this year for Kentucky. Um, but I think tonight's a decent spot to fade him. Under 19.5 is an interesting number for me. You look at those recent game logs, that's scary, right? But South Carolina is an elite transition defense. They're also elite at taking away threes. Those are the two aspects of the game that Antonio Reeves really eats. And then the other one, too, uh, early in the year when, when Kentucky was a little bit injured, he was playing 38, 39, 40 minutes a night. Now they have more mouths to feed, right? They're kind of integrating new guys back into this mix. In six of the last seven games, he's played less than 31 minutes. So that changes the game here for a guy who he has to be hyper efficient on the shots he gets. I think he's fifth on the team in usage rate. He's an amazing scorer, right? He really is. But he really comes on low volume. He's not getting to the free throw line 12, 13 times. He's not pulling a a Luka Doncic, which is a a 35% usage rate. He's really more of a play finisher for this Kentucky team. So I think under 19 and a half is an interesting line there. The other one that I'm eyeing as well in Nebraska and Ohio state, uh, Nebraska big man rink mast has been one of the best passing big man in the sport this year over two and a half assists makes a ton of sense. He's had multiple six assist games recently in his last nine games. He's averaging close to three and a half assists per game, Nebraska at home, their numbers offensively at home have been through the roof. And Felix Okpara, the Ohio State star center, he's an amazing rim protector. Arguably, he's kind of one of my sleepers for Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. But when he's guarding Mast, I think the game plan really will be to pull him away from the basket, which opens up those backdoor cuts for Mast to really go to work. And my guy, Juwan Gary, if he's playing tonight, he's a fantastic cutter. I think he's going to have a chance to make some shots at the rim. And, and Mast is going to be a big part of that. So I like Mast over two and a half assists and Antonio Reeves under, under 19 and a half points. Those are my two favorite props for tonight. Nice. Isaac Trotter of 24-7 Sports talking college hoops with us here on BetQL Daily. I got to ask, to circle back around to the tiers that you just dropped, um, Auburn, I see, one of those teams in tier two, right? Um, number one in the SEC, or t- you know, best record in the SEC, 16-2. They blow everybody out. They, they, they don't play close games. But what keeps them from being in that top tier? Is it just strength of opponent t- at this point? That's a factor, definitely. You know, I'm still a little bit hesitant about some of their guard play, right? Aiden Holloway has been a fantastic addition for them this year, can really shoot it. Denver Jones is a guy that can shoot it. Katie Johnson's kind of a maniac that comes off the bench and kind of messes things up for 15, 20 minutes. I love that about him. Uh, Trey Donaldson's been awesome, but they don't necessarily always have that guard that can break the defense down, get to the rim, and finish over the top of, uh, you know, seven-footers. That's a concern for me when you when you look at some of these other teams. Like in North Carolina, you have R.J. Davis. He takes the ball. He can go get a shot whenever he wants. Tennessee, Dalton Connect. He can get the ball, go wherever he wants on the floor and get a shot. That's some of my concerns with this Auburn team. But I don't want to talk too bad about the Tigers. I, I've been all in on this Auburn team for a while. I love this group. I love the, de- the depth of this team. I love the way they guard. I love the vicious way that they defend. Like this group is really doing it with defense. I just have a few concerns about that guard play if it, that holds me back from really putting them in that top tier. But a little inside baseball for you. I was so close to putting them in tier one. Like we had a lot of conversations with people about putting them in that top tier because this group is guarding. They can really score. They got inside 
play with Janai Broom, Jalen Williams, you know, backup big man Dylan Cardwell is just fantastic. And I love teams that take away easy shots and teams are shooting like 46% at the rim against Auburn. That's just stupid, stupid good stuff from that defense. Isaac, uh, another theme this year, shortish road favorites in conference play, losing. Couple of mine tonight. Kentucky at South Carolina, Wisconsin at Minnesota. Which one loses? Boy, I think Minnesota has a great chance to upset uh, Wisconsin tonight if Elijah Hawkins plays. That's the one angle to watch there. South Carolina has been um, a little bit fraudulent at times so far this year, but against that Kentucky team that has a lot of different mouths that can kind of beat you. I'll give you another short one. Georgia Tech plus two and a half at home. This one opened three and a half against Pitt. I like that Georgia Tech team. It's a team that they've played Clemson really well. They beat them in double overtime. They beat Duke earlier this year. They're super young. That Pitt team, they play some, you know, it can get really fluky or flaky with them sometimes. Like they just shoot a lot of threes, which opens it up for a lot of different outcomes. Like you can have a wide range of outcomes there with that with that Pitt team. So Georgia Tech plus two and a half at home, plus three and a half, or even that money line at plus 120. It makes a lot of sense there too. We were just talking, Isaac. Uh, eating a meal before watching ACC hoops, not advisable. Best to just <laughs> watch the game, then maybe like try to cleanse your palate because it's, it's not good stuff. Georgia Tech pit may not be pretty tonight, but I like that call. Um, Georgia Tech against the Panthers because, like you said, it's Blake Hinson or nothing for Pitt. All threes or nothing. Great stuff. Isaac Trotter at 24-7 Sports. Thanks again for the time, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Coming up next, before we get you our lightning bets, we may hit the links because things get started early this week. We'll add that into the mix for a little let's go or hell no alongside Joe and Aaron. I'm Chris Mack. This is BetQL Daily.